Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. Staff who had been with the couple from day one were mourning the end of what was supposed to be a happy story. Two people fall in love, get married, have a baby, serve the queen, the end. Instead, they were leaving the country. As Megan gave me a final hug goodbye, she said, it didn't have to be this way. Finding Freedom, Omid Scobie and Carolyn Durand. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today I'm joined by my friend and fellow Royals aficionado, Courtney Kinsey. Courtney and her sister Betsy host the podcast, I Do Declare. And today we're talking about Finding Freedom, the story of Harry and Meghan. Hi, Courtney. Hello. How's it going? Oh, boy. I'm excited to talk about this. <laughs> this feels like a very indulgent podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> But honestly, I feel like I've said this over the past couple months, but I am, when possible, taking the fun route yeah. because there aren't a lot of fun options on the table right now. <laughs> no, that's so true. And I appreciate that you've brought me along for the ride. I told my sister that I kind of feel like the official Royals correspondent for From the Front Porch. Yeah. Like I'm I on the Today Show. So. Yeah. It's like... It's as if we were on The Daily Show or something. I feel like yeah. we're not as professional as The Daily Show. <laughs> Probably not as witty as The Daily Show. It's fine. But I do consider you my Royals correspondent. You can put that on your resume. I love that for me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so today we are talking about this new memoir. I guess it's still new. I feel like the literary world, especially right now, is moving real fast because book publications are getting delayed and moved up and all this kind of messy stuff. So now... And also time just moves at a weird pace. So I feel like this is almost old news, but we're going to keep the love alive. And we're going to talk about this memoir, not really memoir, biography, I guess, of Harry and Meghan. I want to know before we kind of launch in, we already know, listeners pretty much know like your Royals background, but I'm curious if you have read or do you normally read like Royal biographies or unauthorized tell-alls of celebrities of any kind? Just curious where you kind of land ethically on these things. <laughs> ethically is a great yeah. way. Yeah. I I actually have not read any prior to this. I prefer to consume my Royal content in short form. I like an article, a blog, like a long form article of sorts, but nothing to this level where I've like read an entire volume on a Mm -hmm. royal subject. I much prefer like memoirs and autobiographies than these kinds of like outsider perspective tell-alls, I think. Yeah. Did you read the Jessica Simpson memoir? Oh, did I? (laughs) I heard that was really good, and I, I have not done truly that. Truly loved it. Okay, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna make a recommendation. I think that also you should listen to it as an audiobook okay. through Libro FM. Shout out because <laughs> she also she narrates it, which is just great. But then there's also some new music at the end of it. Oh, how which fun! Which is so fun, right? So highly recommend it as an audio, but that is a very dishy memoir, which I would say is the opposite of what we have here today. (laughs) 
So I have never read a royal tell-all. I do occasionally read like a celebrity memoir. And for some reason, it is memoir that I'm more attracted to. I don't know. I want to say it's like from my journalistic background where I just need it to be like a memoir where somebody has written about their actual perspectives or Mm -hmm. a like authorized or in-depth biography, in which case often when the subject is already dead. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> So there's no one to talk back at them. That's right. Like, I feel like those are my two general genre preferences, but I don't know why. And I'm with you. My royal content is normally Elizabeth Holmes on Instagram yeah. and People Magazine. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not much beyond that. I don't listen to podcasts. I don't yeah. Like I'm interested, but I'm not obsessed. Is that the, I feel like that's Yeah, I accurate. think that's fair. I think the reason for that is also there's so much content just in those areas that it's yeah. not necessary to read yeah. a book, especially I feel like myself, I'm more interested in the young royals and there's yes. so much information about them just like online every day that it's not like, say, if you were interested in uh, Queen Victoria, and you were going to go back and read a book that was written, you know, 50 years ago about her life, like a more traditional, like historical account. Yeah. So I, for whatever reason, though, did pre-order this book, like all of that <laughs> aside, I feel like that's all my disclaimer. But then I don't know if it was pandemic brain. This was like, I feel like I found out about this early on, like March through May at some point. And so I pre-ordered myself a copy. But I don't even know that I had the intent of reading it. I think I just thought we need to carry this Hmm. to the bookshelf. There might be somebody who's interested. Yeah. In my pre-bookstore life, this is a book that I would have checked out from the library. Mm -hmm. Not one that I would necessarily have invested in the hardback version of. But I took it home over the weekend thinking I'll skim it and see, you know, to talk about it on like a new release Tuesday podcast or, you know, just for my own information. Mm -hmm. And my reading experience may be different from yours. I'll be very interested to hear because we have not talked about this off no. air. Like we, <laughs> even on our walks, I feel like I have really maintained purity of thought and mind. I have not <laughs> asked you questions. I read this and devoured it, like absolutely devoured it and voxed my poor friends in between whenever I reached like a juicy tidbit because I just, I don't know, I really just dove headfirst, finished it in a day or two. Jordan even commented on it because he saw me like reading it. I don't know, like reading it in between things. You know what I mean? Like it was clearly a book I was drawn to. Yeah. I'm very curious about your reading experience. Okay. I am going to say it took me longer than a day to read it because I didn't find, I'm going to be really harsh. I didn't find the writing style to be super compelling where I like Mm -hmm. wanted to keep reading it. I kind of took some breaks. Yeah. And I didn't find it very juicy. I didn't find it like super as someone who kind of already feels like they know this story, at least parts of it, obviously. I didn't feel like there was enough like new information, like rumors I hadn't heard previously Mm -hmm. to really make me feel like, oh, man, like now I'm really invested in this story. Or like I've come away with something new, I guess. Yeah. Do you think that's because like we talked about, like there's so much content out there already. Like People Magazine is Johnny on the spot. You've got Mm -hmm. podcasts. You've got great Instagram accounts to follow. Like, do you think that's just because news is so instant right now? And it's even similar to the fact I told Jordan, it feels like there's a Trump Mm tell-all every two weeks. Like Mm -hmm. there's a new book about the presidency every two weeks. And it's hard as a bookseller and a bookstore owner to keep up with that 
And it's also hard to predict demand because to some extent, sometimes a book will be published and it'll be old news by the time it's in people's hands. So true. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting issue with this book in particular, because the one thing you did say to me was you felt that it had a really rushed editing job. Like towards the end of the book, there are a lot of like continuity errors or just issues that would be you know, you would assume like they had some issues getting this uh, edited in time to release it either because of the COVID timeline or they just wanted to get it out so it would be timely for their sort of retirement from royal life. Right. Yeah, because by the time you get to the end and the structure is pretty straightforward, mm-hmm. I can understand why it might not be entirely compelling for everyone because mm-hmm. it's it's pretty much just Harry and Meghan on a consecutive like timeline. There's yeah. no back and forth element. There's nothing. It's really just their story from start to finish. And the last, I don't know, the last chapter, I guess, is the chapter Mm -hmm. in particular where I felt there were typos because it really felt like it had been written in March because it talked about Prince Charles having COVID. Like, yeah, I was so surprised that was in there. Yeah, that's that's not brand new information. Like by the time it, you know, now that it's out, but at the same time, it felt that felt very recent. It did. Yeah. I also felt a little bit sad at that point because I was like, oh, great. Now we're going to get all these books where people talk about their COVID experiences. (laughs) I was like, this is just the first of many. But yeah, I yeah, it had to have been published very recently to accommodate all of that. And I don't think it it wasn't like throughout the book. It really was just that last section, like you said. I have no concept of like, royals reporting there's not like a particular royal reporter i follow more than another like i said Mm -hmm. i like elizabeth holmes but she's Mm -hmm. obviously american and writing mostly about royals fashion but also Mm -hmm. about other things i was not familiar with these two authors but apparently one of them hosts a podcast called the airpod which i do like two thumbs up for the pun but wondering how you felt about the author's expertise. This is an, this is technically an unauthorized biography, mm-hmm. but what are your thoughts on authorized versus unauthorized? Like when it comes to this particular book and this particular story they're telling. So I think that this is as authorized as an unauthorized book can be. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's exactly what I think. It is very one-sided and I, it's heavily team Sussex. Yeah. So understanding the backstory. And I actually did read, I don't know if it's an introduction or a prologue, but the beginning of the story where they kind of like set up their, like why they're writing this book or how they feel they're qualified. And then I also read the, both of the author notes in the back to kind of be like, okay, but like, what do you really think about this? Right. And I think it says, I I wrote this down. I think it really sums it up. They say that this is quote, what we feel is the definitive story of the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. So like they're all in on this version of events. Mm -hmm. And I feel that that was somewhat encouraged by the main parties involved here. Because I mean, it is, that's part of the reason why I didn't really enjoy it is it just, it felt so one-sided and it felt like a puff piece meant to kind of like repair whatever favor was lost in Meghan and Harry's like move to America and they're stepping down. And it does kind of end abruptly, obviously, because like by the end of the book, we're kind of caught up to the present day. Right. But yeah, I definitely thought like they can say this is unauthorized, but there's no way they didn't read this and like approve all the stories or have a very heavy hand in their quote friends that were 
referenced yeah. in the book, like the people that they reached out to because obviously Megan and Harry couldn't like put their names on this themselves. Yeah. I wondered, so I came at it and again, just felt I, I'm, we're going to talk about the parts in that I found to be particularly juicy, mm-hmm. um, but I wound up thinking this was super entertaining because it felt like parts of it, even though you're right, like not a ton of new information. I did feel like I was reading the Crazy Rich Asians trilogy yes. about the royal family. Like I did, <laughs> I almost felt like, man, if this were fiction, I'd be eating it up. Like, yeah, because it felt, yeah, it felt very, very wealthy people <laughs> doing wealthy things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, so I liked it for that. But as far as reporting goes, I feel like you're absolutely right. Like for an unauthorized book, which this claims to be, I felt like it was really authorized the same way I felt like, do you remember? And I don't remember, was this last year? It must've been, I have, I have memories of where I was when I watched it, but <laughs> the Harry and Megan, I'm using air quotes though. You can't see me documentary. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that yes. 2020 special. What was that? An ABC yeah. news exclusive uh, unclear. Yeah. It, but, are you talking about the one where she where she was like, thank you for asking how I'm doing. No one ever asks me that. Yes. Like that piece. Oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched that like laid on my couch. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. popped popcorn, like got ready for it and wound up. I mean, I did find it deeply sad. Like, I'd like to be clear. I do mm-hmm. find their story sad, particularly because I think she was super unprepared for what awaited her. And also because I think this book proves it. I think it was already something kind of in the ether that we all kind of suspected. But I think he really has been done with his mm-hmm. royal life for a long time. Yeah. And and marrying an American person, I think, just gave him the push he needed to get out of there. Like, mm-hmm. like and so I feel like we we talk so often in the public about Megan in particular, I think because she's perhaps the more interesting of the two. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, I think a lot of this has come down to to Harry and to this being the push he needed to to remove himself from the royal spotlight, although that's debatable <laughs> whether or not yeah. he's actually removed himself from the spotlight. Mm-hmm. But I did think, even if Harry and Megan did not maybe have a hand in the storytelling of this book, I do think, I mean, they gave them access. That much was clear. And then most of the quotes, it felt like, were from people who were Team Harry and Meghan. Although there were, toward the end, I think, some more, a few more perspectives from the Queen's office. I actually Mm -hmm. thought the Queen's office might have been who had the most difficulty with the Harry and Meghan dynamic. There wasn't enough Will and Kate, because that's the relationship that is of most Mm -hmm. interest to me, is the Will-Harry dynamic. But I I really did feel like, as much as this was a tell-all it very much felt like, to some extent, a PR piece mm-hmm. on their behalf. Yeah. Although it didn't quite fully... I, f- I firmly, thanks to Elizabeth Holmes, find myself in team both. I think mm-hmm. we were on the podcast earlier this year. Like, I think I like the Will and Kate story because I like that they were friends for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. I... I that's the love story I always am most interested in. It's like yeah. this long relationship. And so I, I like Will and Kate, but I do find myself to be team both. And this book didn't change my mind. I will say I didn't like end it thinking, oh, these poor guys. I really did think these poor rich people with rich people. <laughs> <laughs> rich people problem. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Did you, I think you also were kind of, are typically maybe more 
the Will and Kate fan. Did you s- find yourself switching sides after reading this or was did it have the opposite effect? Well, it kind of had the opposite effect because I my whole reason for being team William and Kate is like I feel like whatever and I mean there there's a lot in this book that paints them in a poor light per, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's true or not. But I think regardless of how you feel about them as a couple or people, I feel like they really do come across as people that have respect for their family. I mean, this is their family's responsibility. Like, and that's my problem with the Harry and Meghan thing is I feel like, well, a lot of people probably wish they could put their personal desires above like their duty to other people, but it can't always be that way. And I feel like Meghan and Harry kind of in some ways, I mean, don't get me wrong, faced a lot of backlash, but I feel like it seems like they took the easy way out of like, we just don't really feel like doing this anymore. So we're going to leave. And if only everyone could do that, right? Like even non-royal people, I'm sure there's lots of us that are like, I don't really feel like doing this today. So I'm just going to move. And that's not the case. And so I feel like I have more respect for William and Kate because they toe the line and they have a lot of respect for that institution. And I want to support Harry and Meghan as if they need my support. But this book made it really difficult because even though it was like very much supporting them and kind of kind of like they're doing what they feel is right and they're following their hearts, like that's all fine and good. But it doesn't really neglect the fact that that whole quote about her saying it didn't have to be this way, I feel like goes both ways. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Even though I feel like, in my opinion, the first half to three quarters of this book feels like a kind of a, like I said, PR piece about mm-hmm. Megan and Harry. I will say the last quarter or so, I did feel like I got more insight into the Royals dynamic yeah. and, and maybe the offices of different parties kind of butting heads. Mm-hmm. I read it and felt kind of torn because I really like Kate, but it did feel like maybe Kate did not go out of her way to welcome Megan into the family. And yet Mm -hmm. I feel like you and I both have siblings who are married and like that's complicated when royalty is not involved. Like (laughs) no matter how much you love your in-laws or your, who your sibling marries, like there's always this weird sibling dynamic shift. Sure. And I did wonder, well, you know, they were Harry, Megan and William or, or Harry, Kate and William for a long time. Yeah. Like they they were kind of this trio and to add a fourth person into that dynamic would make it hard no matter how awesome Megan was. Yeah, like, incredibly would, so. Yeah, it would change the dynamic of this like, I don't know, these this, these three musketeers. Yeah. And then you also get some insight into the not enough in my opinion, but I thought you did get some insight into the William and Harry relationship. Mm-hmm. And even from the beginning, like I don't think I fully realized or it had never occurred to me that when they were children, like pre-Diana's death, William would go get, you know, go get trained <laughs> at the mm-hmm. castle, I guess, or like at the palace by Charles or by a team of people who were prepping him for what his role would one day be. And mm-hmm. nobody did that with Harry because Harry's role was inconsequential. And so, I, like, I imagine that really does mess with your head a little bit. Like, I yeah, I do hope Harry has a good therapist. Like, <laughs> well, I feel like there's a lot to discuss there. Yeah, if you've watched the that whole part made me think about in the the show The Crown in the episodes that focus on Princess Margaret, like yes. you see that dynamic play out with them where like she doesn't well really the queen barely gets to go to school because she's a girl, I guess, but <laughs> you see that also where like 
she was doing different things than Margaret. And then we saw how that turned out. So, I mean, it is very telling of their relationship. But yeah, I feel like a lot of that in the book, the authors are conveying that like William was kind of not too keen on Megan from the start and would kind of refer to her as like this girl or like Mm -hmm. this woman, like you need to do the whatever before you get to know this girl. And they were like, he was biased from the start. But I think that it's like what you said, there's just a really weird dynamic of bringing someone like a significant other into your like family or just your like sibling group that every like who wouldn't want their sibling to get to know this person that they're trying to bring into their family. I mean, that's like, that's point point number one, like you should get to know them. So I feel like that was weird. I don't know. Yeah. And I, so I, obviously like watch Harry and Megan's wedding, which I thought was beautiful and well done. Mm-hmm. And I feel there, I would like to be clear, like there are things about Megan, like it, particularly I found this details about her um, relationship with her dad to be particularly heartbreaking mm-hmm. because as a consumer of the occasional, you know, Royals news or information, I don't think I fully realized that they were in so close, such close contact really up until her wedding day. Yeah, And so there are parts of Megan's story that I really did. My heart really did go out to her because I think she has really had to overcome and sidestep a lot to be in this really public relationship. But I wanted to talk about some of the kind of, I don't even, I won't even call them groundbreaking because that's not what they are, but I'm going to talk about some things that I immediately was like, wait, what? Like, and one of the things was despite following along the Harry and Meghan love story, I don't think I realized how fast all of this happened. Yes. Which to me goes back to maybe William really does dislike Meghan. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I really don't. And I really don't even get that complete sense from this book. Instead, the sense I get is that he's an overprotective older brother who really is committed to the firm mm-hmm. and committed to his role. And really, Harry and Meghan's whole relationship unfurled very quickly. And I don't think I knew that until reading this book. Were you aware? Like they went on a blind date and then like three weeks later went to Africa together. Like, (laughs) yeah, just like typical dating stuff, you know, going to a different continent. Yeah. I did know that because, you know, I, as a high-minded journalist myself, I watched the Harry and Meghan Hallmark or Lifetime movie rather (laughs) even, even more accurate that it was on Lifetime. So of course I knew all that, Annie, but yeah, I mean, that's also a big part of it is just like, and I'm not in, it in no way like takes away from the, the genuine love that these people have for each other. The -hmm. fact that they just like all this happened so quickly and so privately that like, People, I'm sure, are always going to guess, like, well, did they really, like, are they really in love? Because, like, they didn't see any of this stuff happening. Like, they didn't see them going off and having these, like, secret dates and, like, you know, all that's Even their own friends talk about it in the book, like, mostly Harry's friends, I guess. Um, Kind of, like, you know, questioning whether or not it's all real or if it's happening too fast. So that's definitely part of it, I think, is, like, that's the skepticism. It's just, like, how quickly it all unfolded. And I think that probably only heightened the whole breakdown of like him with William or like their family and the other members of the firm because it did kind of just come out of nowhere. And then it was just like, well, this is how it's going to be. Right. And like, you know, Harry's what uh, Harry's older than I am, I think. So maybe 35 or 36. And so at the time, I think they started dating. I guess I just didn't realize, gosh, that was just 2016. And maybe it's (laughs) COVID-19 affecting my brain. But I was like, these people met like 
right before the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. And now they're like married with children or married with a child and no longer a member of the firm. Like, which is bonkers to me. Like that's, that's a fast timeline. Yeah. That was just groundbreaking. And that's a lot where I get the comparison to crazy rich Asians because some Mm -hmm. of their dates went on, like the fact, (laughs) you know, I was reading, I was like, oh, wow, they traveled together really quickly. Oh, where'd they go? Oh, Africa. And they stayed, oh, they stayed in tents. Oh no, glamping tents. Like, I think I was just like (laughs) every page I was getting some new, again, perhaps this wasn't groundbreaking information, but to me, it was very, I truly felt like I was reading a Kevin Kwan novel with their relationship in particular and their dating relationship. Yeah. And details into, I think I didn't realize, God, in 2016, this was a woman who still had a blog and an Instagram, yeah. a public oh, Instagram. They talked about that blog like it was, I don't even know, like the most <laughs> groundbreaking piece of internet information ever. Like if I have to hear about the TIG one more time, I'm going to lose it. (laughs) I was so intrigued because I tried to watch after Harry and Meghan's wedding, I did try to watch Suits because I thought Uh this would be fun and I couldn't get into it. Maybe a different time. Maybe now might be a good time to try Suits again, but I couldn't do it. But the thought that this very public figure who like now is best friends with Oprah, like Mm -hmm. had a, a blog called the TIG to try to basically boost her like almost be another source of income from her actress yeah like an og influencer yeah like i and i knew that but getting some of these details i did like the details for me that was the best most interesting fun part of the book was like their dating relationship and him staying at her house in canada Mm -hmm. i also felt like we got a little bit more i'm you know who i really am intrigued by is her mom like yes, I got some good information about her mom, but I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you the most interesting detail where I did say, boy, rich people can get away with anything. <laughs> and it is, okay. I'm just going to be real honest. I'm so excited. My issue is really not often with Megan, honestly. Uh-huh. I, and I like Harry a lot. Like, I think he's cute. Like of the two brothers, I did always have a crush on Will more than Harry, but Harry and I are close mm-hmm. in age. Like, so like, I and I feel for him. I think he made some mistakes as a younger person. He's really worked hard to rehabilitate his image, blah, blah, blah. That being said, we get some details about his texting personality that I will never be able to unread, unsee. The idea that like she thought it was cute that he often used the ghost emoji just as a detail that will be seared into my brain forever. Like I because this is a grown adult man and I would like to be clear that I have never had to date as an adult person. Like mm-hmm. I only, you know, dated as a college student. But if an adult male in his early to mid 30s was texting the ghost emoji to me, like and I just mm-hmm. and like his they there are even am I not mistaken? I feel like there were even um excerpts from his texts, weren't there? Or like I feel like we got they, some of the well, they did. Language. Yeah, they did. They did reference a few things, a few like expressions or several emojis that he uses, apparently. <laughs> yes. So he somebody leaked emoji. that. Yeah, yes. somebody had to. Yeah, somebody leaked that he's a heavy emoji user, user. And that is the detail that I cannot forget because I yeah. just feel like this is a grown adult male. And boy, wh- and I did. I put the book down. And I boxed a friend and I was like, wealthy people, there there are no boundaries there. They can just yeah. do whatever they want. Like, They're using emojis the rest of us don't even know exist. Yeah. I just thought that was such a wild detail. And just some of their dating life, 
I Uh just, it was so, again, because I think they've really done a good job, like to to their PR team's credit and to their credit, they've really Mm -hmm. done a good job of spinning their lives as like of the people. Yep. Like we're the normals. We're the normally pretty well-adjusted. I don't know. Like we tap into Diana being the people's princess. Like I feel like they've really spun themselves that way. Yeah. But it's very clear they are coming from an extreme place of privilege as well. Like, and I think that was not new information to me, but interesting because I feel like we've really been fed. I don't know. Like he married an American and it's like, okay, but he didn't marry like, I don't know, somebody from Birmingham, Alabama. You know what I mean? Yeah. He didn't marry me. Like he married an actress who already had a level of fame Yes. Regardless of her background up to that point, like yeah. she was still herself a fairly privileged person. Yeah. Um, well, and her story, her trajectory is fascinating too. It like, is. Really, again, I'm often, I prefer Megan's story. Like I find her to be really yeah. interesting. But part of the reason I find her to be interesting is I think she is so smart. Like I think yeah. she knew, not necessarily that she wanted to marry a prince. I'm not going to say that. But I do think she totally found herself with the right kinds of friends Mm -hmm. in the right kinds of circles of influence. And I think that's where she wanted to be. And kudos to her for like making it happen. I I was, I was blown away by that. This is a woman who addressed Robin Thicke and Paula Patton's wedding invitations. (laughs) Yeah, That was on her resume guys. Working at previous work. Yeah. Yeah. My, my friend works at paper source. (laughs) That could have been my friend. Yeah. The other thing I wrote down was, that Meghan Markle was in the movie A Lot Like Love, which is one of my favorite early aughts rom-coms. I was like, wait, what? She I gotta was? see that. I've never seen oh, it. Oh my gosh. It's it's Ashton Kutcher and Amanda Peet. It is so great. Okay. And apparently she was like, they referenced in the book, like at one point, I wonder if it was in reference to her first marriage. It was some like, there was some kind of timeline in her life and they were like around that time she went to film this movie. And I was like, I love that movie. I didn't even know she was in it. But my real crown jewel of like fun facts while we're on this uh, subject is there is a very shady, I think this might be the shadiest quote in the entire book. And I'm (laughs) interested to see if you caught this too. Okay. There is a part in the book where they're talking about how the royals, Kate did this like new royals, I guess, do this fake kidnapping exercise where they get trained on how to behave in a kidnapping scenario. So they get fake, which this is like crazy. They do, they get fake kidnapped and like blindfolded, thrown in the back of a car (laughs) and they are taught strategies and things to help. So this is the line. And I literally, this was my put the book down moment. (laughs) This quote says, Megan was even taught to develop a relationship with the enemy. If that is not the shadiest line in this entire work, I don't know what is. I was like, wow, could you have veiled that any any more thinly? Like, that's incredible. Oh, I somehow missed oh. that line. I think I was too obsessed with Harry's texting personality. Oh, oh no. You missed a good one there. I was like, wow, you guys, that was really tough. Their their story, their timeline moves so quickly. Mm-hmm. Their her and I, you know, as we just stated, this was somebody who had worked for Paper Source. So in that sense, Harry did marry to some extent an air quotes normal. But again, she really had worked her way up 
I think I still think she might be the hardest working. I just feel like she really rose from the ashes kind of mm-hmm. situation because like in America, we all know that a USA network show is like good and fine, mm-hmm. but it's not like a Hollywood blockbuster situation. Right. So she really did work her way up and out. And I think what will be interesting and what this book obviously couldn't address because it doesn't know is what will come next for them. Mm-hmm. And what I think Megan might want next for them, because I think of the two of them, she is the more ambitious of the two. I could be wrong about that, but it feels yeah. like it feels like she definitely seems to have a more ambitious personality than Harry, who I really do mm. think when push comes to shove, he just it really sounds like it wasn't something he ever wanted. He didn't ask for it, but he got born into it. And instead of just dealing with it, I think mm-hmm. he really wanted somehow to get out and it'll be interesting to see how that works for him i because i don't know if it will or not yeah no i agree i think that i think that kind of sums it up yeah okay on a scale of like one to five what's your ranking of finding freedom two oh man (laughs) god i i really didn't i liked the idea of it and i wanted to like it so bad but i just couldn't i can't get past the the fluffiness of it and like the okay. team, the team Megan of it all. I just, I'm yeah. not really here for it. So okay. it's definitely, I could maybe after this conversation, maybe give it a three, but like in my heart, it's going to be a two. So I, and look, I would like to be clear. I state this with really a lot of reticence. Like I, this is not a confession. I'm really happy to make. I freaking love this book. Like I give it a four <laughs> out of five stars not okay for writing, not for the writing quality but truly for the wild ride it took me on and maybe it's because i like the royals obviously we talk about them on the podcast we've got a harry and megan standy like standing in the door of the bookshelf like mm-hmm. obviously i am rooting for them but i don't think i just i don't think i really knew very much and so for me a lot of this information was new and kind of bonkers mm-hmm. especially the parts about their dating relationship i also really liked hearing maybe because this was my first royal tell all of any kind i felt like i did learn some to me it was like watching the crown like i felt i learned some about the behind the scenes of how the business of the royal family works. Mm-hmm. You know what I really want? I really wanted pictures of Frogmore Cottage. Oh, I really, yes. I really just want, because the TIG does not exist and because I was not aware of the TIG before it got shut down, I mm-hmm. want to know Megan's like, design style. Yeah. I'd like to know what her house looks like. I just am very, I, I remain intrigued. So I finished the book still feeling a lot of empathy, I think, for... Kate and William, I still would have liked more of that side of the story, mm-hmm. but I didn't finish the book and think, oh, Harry and Meghan, good riddance. Like, I still mm-hmm. felt, I still do care what happens to them. I, because I find the whole thing, and again, I keep coming back to, like, that four-year timeline. I just feel like so much happened yeah. to that relationship in four years to go so sour so quickly that I'll be curious to see what their next steps are. And I did finish the book, I guess, equally intrigued. Like, I didn't finish Mm. the book and think, okay, I'm done caring about them. I finished the book and thought, yeah, they're still interesting to me. So for me, it was a, I don't know, it was a four-star read. We can also blame COVID-19. My reading tastes have been all over the place, but (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to stand by my appreciation for this in the same vein. Perhaps let's think of it less as a work of like 
journalism because mm-hmm. I'm not sure this really qualifies. I think it's the same level of journalism as the documentary they did. We'll put it that yeah. way. Yeah, um, that's fair. Yeah, but if we're talking like crazy rich Asians sending ghost text emojis and staying in <laughs> glamping tents, like I'm here for that. Like all day yep. long. All day. I want that. <laughs> well, Courtney... <laughs> Thank you for this deep dive, this really important content. I just feel like this was very important to cover together. Absolutely. Thanks for providing your expertise. And hopefully we'll have something else to talk about here in a few months. Anytime. I'm hoping William and Kate serve up uh, a story of their own very soon. Yeah. All right. Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at Bookshelf T-Bill, and all the books from today's episode, just the one, can be purchased online through our store website at www.bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing, and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading Recommended for You. That's literally the name of the book. It's called (laughs) Recommended for You. It is by Laura Silverman. It's a young adult novel that is utterly delightful thus far. What are you reading? I'm reading The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Oh, do you like it so far? Yes, it's so, so good. Yeah, I'm dying to finish it. Very Agatha Christie. Yes. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, you can tell us by leaving a review on iTunes Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week. 